All right, guys. Welcome back to the 443 Podcast. We're coming to you from sunny North Phoenix. Reese, how are you doing today, man? Doing well. Special episode today, guys. Matt, very special, actually. It's uh, Mama Reese's birthday today. <laughs> Filming on the Mama Reese's birthday. And it was a, she's a special lady, but she's not as special as this Premier League weekend was. <laughs> uh, we got a big game. That was a good radio intro there, man. <laughs> All right. Big game to jump into, guys. Uh, big results here today, but nowhere else to start. Matt, Arsenal, 1-0 defeat. 1-0 defeat to Newcastle United. What is your instant reaction to that? My game? instant reaction was I was proud of my team, even in defeat, because we went into Stoke with a billion-dollar backing <laughs> uh, and were handling them even when the refs weren't giving us the cards. Um, like, how is Guimaraes still on? That guy always is up to play us ever since um, he came in in the, the transfer window that year that they were doing the... Um, when they first took yeah, over. Yeah, when they first took over. And he's always had a bug in his bonnet for us. Um, well, I think even since you just said that, since taking over to piggyback off that, since they've taken over, it seems like these games have been much more tense yeah. between your two sides specifically. I mean, the first game you guys played last season was a 1-1 draw. Last time it was you guys that defeated them 1-0 in the second half of the season. And now here we are again with a Newcastle 1-0 in a tense win where I thought the game was going to be very relaxed, very lackadaisical, but the second King Kai Havertz just laid out. It wasn't even really a bad tackle, but once he tackled them and the Newcastle fans got into it, dude, the game just flipped on its head pretty much. It, they kind of remind me of old school Stoke, yeah. where if and Everton too, Newcastle, you know, because once you get the fans involved in the game, yeah. it's very hard. A place turns into a place you don't want to be a referee at. Yeah. But I got to give props to Kai. He got a three-for-one special. <laughs> True. Takes the yellow card and in turn... It into three yellow cards for, for the Newcastle. opposition. That's crazy. Um, now, I want to start at the goal itself. Um, even though we, it was you know into the second half, game has already been very evenly matched, I'd say, in that point. But you guys were sort of leaning towards the possession side of it, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, do you think... How do I put this? Do you think... Jolington pushed Gabrielle directly in the back, kind of like an offensive tackle to a defensive tackle type of push. Do you think it was a foul or was it a goal? I think it was a foul. Um, I just don't understand how... Like, So they had to do a three-var review of this. Yeah. And as soon as they started checking all three parts, I texted my dad and I might have texted you, they're going to give the goal. Mm-hmm. I already knew what the result was going to be, but... One, if you can't determine if the ball was out of out of play, why do you have all the cameras? I understand. Like in the NFL, you can stop it and do one of those 360 motion things and see everything that's going on. Why don't you have lines to detect when the ball's out of play? And then I thought he was fouled. The only thing I didn't think it was was offsides. Yeah. I'm not the best on the offsides rule, but I thought it was should have been a two check, but I get why they did a three check. Yeah. I said this last week, man. I still don't understand the damn rules of this game anymore in the Premier League, man. They don't have specific set rules that they could follow yeah. that gives us a definitive definition yeah. if this is a foul or not. Yeah. Like, I was watching the pregame for the Forest um, Villa game today, yeah. and Tim Howard was taking the the stance of, well, they didn't have the angles, so they Arsenal has to suck it up. I've been to a game where... At Brentford last year, where we basically got a, when when I was getting a massage, I came out and 
full spa treatment, guys. Nothing weird. Because <laughs> um, this is what I do when I travel. The last day I'm there, I like to get, you know, have a relaxing day. Um, full and, spa treatment. Yeah, full, like, you know, seaweed wrap, yep, yep. you know, salt, scrub, everything. Gotcha. Because it's, you know, I get ready for my flight. I want to relax the next of day. Because I was flying on a Monday. Game was on a Saturday night. Sunday was my relaxed day. Yeah. Uh, a little too much info, but there we go. Um <laughs> And we basically got a apology letter from the PGOML. We should have won that game. Arsenal should have won. I know we're going to get a letter. Uh, when probably I, if we haven't already gotten, we're going to get it on Monday. The guy's going to come out and say we apologize. Yeah. It was a miss error. But but just like Liverpool, what does that get you? Yeah, Liverpool maybe is losing right now to Luton Town, and they needed those points against Spurs. We it wouldn't have changed the result of the league, but it would have shifted the dynamics of the league if we had gotten those two points against Brentford. And right now, we basically lost Arsenal lost their undefeated streak because the PGML cannot apparently decide on the rules for these games, and they change things on the fly. On the fly, like they for the last couple of weeks, they took away that if you contest a yellow card, you get a yellow card. But they brought it back yesterday. But they didn't bring it back. For every game, they just brought it back for this one game. It, it does not make sense. Um, you know, they take action. Like, they moved Anthony Taylor down to the championship when it, in terms of being a main referee. He still can be a fourth official on yeah. the sidelines for the Premier League. But moving a referee down to the championship yeah. is not going to... So, yeah. what Reese is talking about, guys, is um, last week in the Wolves-Newcastle game, a penalty was given that shouldn't have been given. They punished the referee... Anthony Taylor, correct? Yep. By moving him away from the Premier League to be an on-field referee. Mm-hmm. So they moved him down to a lower league. They basically relegated him. Um, and these decisions, like, I know Chelsea's probably gotten some bad ones, but it seems like Newcastle and Manchester City always benefit from the decisions that happen. Or Varchester United. I yeah. feel like they like the, sort of those big three yeah. teams there now. Um, but that's just me. I know I don't. Have, I don't. I watch every game, but sometimes I don't pay attention to every weird var. I won't. I won't provide my opinion if it's a goal or not because, like I said, I don't understand the rules anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're asking me, it looks like a penalty or a foul because he puts two hands into Gabrielle's back. Yeah. Now, either way, goal is given. You know, St. James Park goes crazy now. Yeah. Go but. I'm angry about the Gimarash should have been off the full court, but I'm also mad at Arsenal because Arsenal didn't seem like they were playing to win. Mm. They were all the fans are upset because we we lost our draw. I'm upset that my team didn't like put more convincing thing in offensively. Do you think they may have went for the win, but it was more so the way Newcastle played that it t- sort of touted it to be yeah. looking like they're playing for a draw? Or were the attackers for Arsenal just not as clinical as they usually are in the final third? They silenced Martinelli and Saka, and Eddie doesn't always show for the big games. Um, and this is what we talked about last week when he had the hat trick yeah. against Sheffield. We know there's a player there, and there's something that we can tell that this guy yeah. can be a great striker, but... You need him for these games when you're not going to be playing Jesus. You need him to actually provide anything. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Lukaku a little bit. He's just a kind of a flat track bully. <laughs> now, what was your uh, initial reaction to, to... We'll start with Arsenal, their, their lineup that they fielded. Did you like the lineup? Were you interested in, in Jorginho back in the starting lineup? I know you haven't been the biggest uh, supporter for Jorginho this season. I think I was... I was scared when I saw the lineup, yeah. but I understood why it was being played. Mm-hmm. I was a little worried that they would knock Jorginho and break his hip. I think I texted you that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, Jorginho did a good job. Yeah, um, Captain Jorginho. 
And yeah. I thought that we needed Kai Havertz for this game as a disruptor. I was happy to see him in the starting lineup based off of the options we had. I'd if I, my choices are um, bringing in Zinchenko to play in the the, the, the eighth spot, which I don't think would have worked, and then old man El Nani. I'm glad we went with Kai Havertz. Since we didn't have Odegaard. I thought Kai Havertz and Declan Rice were really good for you guys, mm-hmm. especially in the first half. Declan Rice is probably This the is the best player. Kai Havertz performance I've seen all season. Yeah. And and I also say that this Coming is Coming up one of the worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> and and Declan Rice, I feel like he was the best player on the pitch yesterday he at was. least for the first 67. Well, I mean, minutes. I think he's tied with uh, a man that can run around and headbutt people and choke out choke people and throw them on the ground and not get any um, kind of repercussions. Um but this is, Rice had a handicap. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is when I saw Newcastle's lineup, I was still kind of skeptical skeptical because I was worried about their defense since they played such good defense last season. And I feel like Botman not being uh, present for these games have been has been a big loss. But they proved me wrong, man. Uh, like you said, they shut down Martinelli, Saka, mm-hmm. and, and Kedia. And Ket- I don't know why I butchered that. We'll say Eddie. <laughs> he, he just completely locked them down, um, which surprised yeah. me because I felt like there was a couple windows – uh, especially in the final third for Saka in particular, where he was not utilizing his right foot as much as he should have been, where you 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 know Saka's best on his left foot. You know Dan Byrne, was he the main left back on him? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, so you know Dan Byrne knows you're going to be cutting to your left a lot. Why don't you use a body feint or some sort of... Uh, uh, you know, hesitation move to then cut on your right foot, play a cross in. I didn't see that enough from Saka in this last game, and I felt like that could have uh, been a lot more useful to you guys in that final third. Now, um, looking at the XG, it does say Arsenal had a .54 XG. Do you think that was fair, or do you think... Yeah, I mean, we didn't. Arsenal didn't really create a lot in this game, and that's why one of the things I was more mad at, because I was listening to the Arsenal pods um, this morning and yesterday while you know, I was walking the dog, Mm-hmm. And everyone was up in arms that, you know, the the decision didn't go our way. And the decision didn't go our way because we didn't do anything to win the game. Yeah. Even though you concede a goal, that does not mean you can just blame the refs for yeah. the loss. You, you still Ultimately, I'm more in the, the the camp where I think it's a travesty. I'm, I'm in the Arteta camp. But I'm a little bit more, if like, there's like a slider, I'm a little bit more towards, well, you guys didn't do anything. You gave up a loss when you could have given up a draw with that goal. Do you think the the win was deserved for Newcastle because Arsenal were not playing to their best performance that we've seen from them? No, they were playing like bullies. Okay. They they committed so many fouls that the ref should have sent off, they put half the team on yellows and probably given a red card to Guimaraes. Um, so I don't think they deserved it because they played like like bullies. Yeah. They played like Stoke, where it's like if you f- give 50, 50 fouls, the ref's going to have to start talking about bringing them down to nine men. Now, and only Liverpool gets brought down to nine men. I asked you, <laughs> I asked you in the stoppage time last week uh, about the whole two goalies thing. What did you think of the riot performance, particularly? You think he played well? Or? I think that teams are exploiting his inability to do postal defense and mm-hmm. and an away game. Honestly, maybe Riot should just be our home goalie, and we should have Ramsdale as our away goalie. Because <laughs> I think that Ramsdale chirping up the fans probably would have been a lot more give, probably given mm-hmm. to the advantage. And I think he just has that edge to him. You know, uh, goalkeepers historically are just a little bit weirder than the average yeah. uh, player is. <laughs> um, I feel like Raya is missing that little bit of an edge that Rams does bring to that, that starting lineup that you guys have. So I feel like that's a great point. Um, was there any substitutions uh, from Arsenal's side uh, for Arteta that you 
who we had uh, is just well, you, guys, you guys had two goalies on your bench. I mean, I just I, that kind of goes to show like where you guys are at with in terms of injuries and the status of these players. Um, was Odegaard on the bench or was he just? No, he I don't think he was injury? on the bench. I think he's still battling injury. I don't remember him being on the bench. Okay, because it was pretty like there wasn't a lot of flexibility. Like at the beginning of the season, Arsenal and Arteta, he had the ability to do super subs and. It's it's not looking good in terms of the bench right now. Are Newcastle in uh, creeping into our upper echelon of a title race team, or we still have them in the top four race as of right now? I put keep them in the top four race. I agree. Um, just like because they don't really have, I don't think they have it to go into the the top to compete for the top. I still think that's between the, the three three point five horse race, and I don't think that they're going to make it a they, four horse race. They need to be adding some depth uh, in January if they want to make it a title race. But yeah, I'm, I agree with you. It's going to be top four now. As an Arsenal fan, should, are you a little bit worried about Arsenal in regards to a title race? Because right now, I feel like the biggest winners of the weekend with the results that we've seen, uh, and we'll see you know in a moment here about the Liverpool game. But the w- biggest winners of the weekend right now are are, are Manchester City. Yeah. Um, as an Arsenal fan, are and you, they yeah. sorry, I mean cut you off there. Go ahead. No, um, it's all good. Go ahead. Yeah, Manchester City won this weekend. They they were going to get into their scoreline, but that's why they seem to under the Pep era always put up ninety points, and it's up to Liverpool or an Arsenal or in this case Tottenham to decide to go. Outdo them, yeah, because they're going to put up ninety points a season, you know, high eighties, low nineties, no matter what, and it's up to you to get through all the trash, get through all the mess, all the dumpster fires, and and give them a game. What would you say your biggest weaknesses as a team right now, uh, based on what you've seen through the first two months of the season, maybe creeping into three months? Um, just trying to put a consistent team on the pitch. Yeah. Um, like last season when I decided to go to the game. You knew what your best 11 yeah, was. Yeah, we knew what our best 11 was. Right now, I don't know if we do. And maybe that could be a good thing. Yeah. But. And like you said, you are battling some injuries, especially in in, in the attacking area with Odegaard. He is your team Odegaard, Jesus, captain. and the two wingers have all gone through bouts of injury. Yeah. Um, like Eddie and Kedia, I remember saw a stat that he's played over two thousand minutes this season. Well, I think to wrap this up, put it in a in a in a in a bow tie here. Um, Newcastle, it was a deserved, in my opinion, it was a deserved win. But I did not like the way that they won the game due to the uh, the call. Um, but at the same time, I would not have been mad at a draw. It was a high tense game. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, another reason we love football. Uh, but Matt, you ready to take a break and jump into the next segment, sir? Yep. All right, guys. So we are back. We just had to take a little break to see the results of Luton Town home against Liverpool. When we started recording about the Arsenal section, Liverpool were down. Luton had scored on a was a was his name Tahith Chong in the 80th minute on a cross uh, on a counter attack from Luton. Beautiful play. Yes, Uh, but unfortunately, Luton the Hatters did not get their miracle. Um, they still get something out of this game, which they shouldn't have, according to the statistics. Game ends in a 1-1 draw, Luton Town to Liverpool. Now, I would have been a little bit disappointed uh, if Luton drew the game, which they did. 
But I'm not as disappointed because Luis Diaz is the one to equalize it. Um, just a fantastic story. Well, no, I, I agree with you. I, I fully expect it. I think I picked it to be a 3-0 smashing. I and for too. Luton to get anything out of this, I'm happy. Because yeah. this should have been no points and they got a point. Yeah. For somebody who wants them to stay up and it's one of my top moments of the season... I mean, this is something that helps them. So it was Sheffield winning a game yesterday, and mm. um, we'll get to that later. But um, in terms of the relegation fight, I think this really point helps them because this should have been a smashing. should have been a 3-0 game. I think this helps both sides because for Liverpool, if you're a team in a title race, which well, I'll ask you in a moment here, which I think that's a huge point, especially the way Luton played, uh, especially in the first half. they were We all thought they were going to be playing the low block, trying to play for a draw. But, dude, they're on the front foot that whole first half and uh, clearly the whole mm-hmm. 60 to 70 minutes of the game. They play like old school Leicester. Exactly. They just were trying, man. They were on the counter. I was impressed by them and that they didn't have any fear at their home ground, which I can never determine how many people are at, <laughs> at this ground because I've heard podcasters and pundits and people saying all sorts of different numbers, which, like I told you, if we uh, if I go to them again, to the UK again, I'm definitely going to try and catch a Luton Town game because I want to see how many people fit the Star Stadium. <laughs> it looks like eleven to 12,000, but man, it felt like there was 100,000 in that yeah. stadium with Teeth Chong scored. Um, but back back to Liverpool, I mean, we don't really... I feel like they haven't gotten enough credit for where they are this season. Um, this is a team well, now... Well, I've given them credit. I know other people aren't giving them credit. I just feel like there hasn't been enough attention to Liverpool to being that one of those teams that is clearly... In with the goons and Manchester City in this tra- and, 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 and Spurs in, in this title. That's what race. I'm saying. It's a 3.5 horse race. Um, I think Tottenham are for real, but I I think that Liverpool's in it. I yeah. think they're the smallest horse, but I think they're in it. So you think they're the smallest horse in this race? Yeah. I think I would respectfully disagree with you, sir. Okay. Simply because I'll give you two points. Historic. Historic <laughs> is one. Uh, this is a team that has challenged City uh, for about four years, five years now, with Klopp still running a well-oiled machine. And two, we're back at that point where this is a team that's fully healthy. They've revamped their midfield, and I'm just kind of thinking like, if Darwin, Darwin, Nunez, if this dude actually can score some goals along with Cody Gakpo, like, this is a team that might be a in a top three race with Arsenal and Manchester City. I think everything it hinges on Tottenham, because yeah. I unfortunately think uh, Tottenham are a really good team this year. Mm. Um, I just don't know how much longer they're going to last at the top, but I hope they pull it off, even though they're the team, one of the teams I dislike. Yeah. Now, much like last season, or sorry, much like Spurs last week, I said, if you're a team in a title race, these results mean so much because you may have not played your best. Liverpool had to round out something. Exactly. You, you, you walk away with a point in a very tough primetime game against the Luton Town team that is, is going to be battling every game. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool won the XG battle, at least. They had three goals on XG, which is pretty much goes to show that yeah. they were just lacking clinicalness in the final third. The stats I have access to don't have XG, but from what I saw when right before you came over to record was that for every shot on shot or shot on target, um, it was a one third to Luton. Whatever yeah. that Liverpool was pulling off, they were doing one third that. Yeah, and I feel like that's just a great story for Luton as a whole this season. Uh, they don't look like a team that has the quality to be staying up, but they are so well managed by this manager that. It seems like they're getting something out of every game in terms of quality. And 
What do you can you look up the table? What's it at now? They finished. Are they still in the bottom three, or are they be able to move out? Luton now is in seventeenth uh, place, so they are just right on the brink with Bournemouth, Burnley, and Sheffield uh, creeping behind them. So and Everton's still above them, right? Uh, that is correct in sixteenth. So uh, just a massive result. I mean, again, another reason why we love football. Uh, great story with Luis Diaz. Um, I could tell you for one, I do not have the cojones. If if my dad was still missing, I would not be in that lineup, man. And he comes off the bench. And he looks like classic Luis Diaz making plays and, and being clinical in the mm-hmm. final third for the, for the equalizer. Just a fantastic no, story. He's, he's a good dude. And he, it's hard. There's certain players on teams that even if you don't like the team, it's, it's hard, hard to hate them. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I feel with Sokka, for example. Yeah. Just a nice kid, man. And it's... Yeah. It, it's and yeah. I still feel that way about Sun, even though like I kind of fell off that wagon for a little bit. Yeah. He's still come back to me where it's like, I don't like Tottenham and I like to see him lose every weekend. But... I don't want to see Suns frown. So, uh, <laughs> Sonaldo, I feel like he cries, and it just breaks my heart, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, jumping jumping yeah. back into the next game here. This is for the first Saturday game. Um, I don't want to say this was a win for Manchester United, but uh, Manchester United, away win at Fulham, 1-0. Matt, what was your reaction to that game? <sighs> I think the XG tells the whole story. Fulham, 1.18 on XG, okay. Manchester United, 0.7. This I watched this game, and they did not look like they should have won this game. They we've been saying this. Hero ball, again. For the past three weeks, we've been yes. saying this, Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, McTominay had a goal in the first half that was called back. Uh which, it, it was a VAR. It was a it was a dessert to be pulled back. He was offside. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, but Bruno's, like, like, miracle goal, like... This is unfortunately why, if you're a Manchester United fan, I think you like Bruno Fernandes, which he's the opposite of a son or the opposite of a soccer to me. I don't like him, but he does that magic about every three games where he's able to give you something when pull squeaky bum Fergie time. He's good at that. He's the guy on the other team that you hate a lot, but if he's on your team, he's one of your yeah. favorite players. Yeah. Now, um,. I'm not personally ten hag out yet, but Matt, are you reaching your boiling point with him? Yeah, I, you got lucky. You should have drawn or lost this game. If I'm Manchester United, I think we're in different. I know we're in different camps on this. I don't think I know. I would be. Point. I'd be figuring out my targets. Um, if he doesn't start, if he doesn't win every game in November, even if he does, like this is a win loss for them. Mm-hmm. They, I would definitely be looking at my candidates to see if you could get somebody in. Now, they did lose uh, Casemiro for uh, a couple weeks due to a hamstring injury. Uh, the defense they fielded still had Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire as the starting center backs. Uh, they went Erickson and McTominay in the pivot. It's just an ugly team, man. And I think that's why I'm much more patient with this group. Uh, I think they're having sort of a Liverpool season uh, last year or maybe the season prior when they were just really injured. Um, I think that's... I'm not saying they're as good as that Liverpool team, not even close, but in terms of... With what Ten Hag is having to work with, I'd like to see him be given a little bit more time. Okay, no, yeah. no, I, I can see that because I was, I'm not fire Potch. I wasn't fire Arteta. I'm more of a give people time thing. But when I'm watching these games and I'm just watching Manchester United just squeak out win after win against teams they should be just like last year they would have beat them three zero. Yeah, and to Fulham's credit, much like Sheffield's credit a couple weeks ago. 
They played well. Uh, it feels like this United team is easy to play through, and they're on this Manchester United has not run into the schedule that, for example, a Chelsea or an Arsenal has had mm-hmm. to come up in, in recent games where they're going to get punched in the mouth if this team doesn't get healthy soon, man. Um, I'm getting worried for them in, in that regard because if they come up against a top six team, I feel like that's probably that time where we may, may seeing some results go the other way for so United. who do they play next? Uh, next week, they are going to be playing against uh, Luton Town. So, again, another game where we may see this team not play well, but scrape something out, much kind of like... We'll get to that in our predictions. I'm just curious if they're playing top six next. Next game, your guys. Uh, one of the games of the weekend, I would say outside of the Arsenal-Newcastle game, this probably is, at least on the stat sheet, it looks like the game of the weekend. Brentford at home win 3-2 to West Ham. Matt, this game was back and forth uh, with some great goals. Uh Brentford opened the scoring. Kudus a couple minutes later. What was your reaction to the game? I highlight my top thing in my notes, and this was, what a comeback. How did David Moyes lose this? Crazy. And um. It seems like West Ham's sort of crashing back to earth. Uh, they were like one of the best teams in the league uh, for the first month and a half. They, the, they played you guys at Stanford Bridge, and it looked like they were world beaters, right? Hey, all right, let's <laughs> let's not jump into it a couple months ago. <laughs> Sorry, that's all good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is why we love football, man. It was back and forth. Uh, I agree with you. Did you see anything from this West Ham side where it looks like they should have won, but they didn't? Is there anything that kind of we discussed yeah. last week how Brighton is getting affected by the European fixtures? I think that this may be affecting West Ham because now they're playing in the Europa League and not the conference Europa Conference League. The competition is getting better. They're in a group they should win, but just like Arsenal's finding out in the Champions League, they're playing teams that are grinding them down. Um, and they just came off of a heck of a win against Arsenal too in the, in the League Cup. Um, they're fighting on three fronts right now, and a fourth front's going to open when we get into December. It looks like they were riding on a high horse uh, from last week and just didn't weren't able to be yeah. humbled in that. Because Brentford didn't play any the game midweek game, mm-hmm. and they've been playing midweek games for a long time, ever the whole pretty much the whole season. Yeah. And I think it caught up to him on this time where Brentford had that fifth gear and they could they could only get into fourth. If you're Thomas Frank, man, are you even considering selling Ivan Tony right now with the way your team is playing? I mean, they're just on uh, looking like the Brentford of the last two seasons where they're playing great football and they're just not losing games, it seems. I wouldn't want to sell them. Um, I don't know what their internal stuff is. Well, they but s- with the price tag that allegedly they're setting, I don't remember if it was 134 pounds, 134 million pounds, or 134 million dollars. It's 34 million dollars, which I think is around 100 million pounds. pounds. And then I tell you what, I don't think you're trying to sell Ivan Tony then, because you're basically pricing him to a bracket where only a few teams can afford him. Yeah. Um, that price is at Arsenal. Um, that basically, I mean, you guys might be able to get him because of the way you do your finances. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like this is a team. I, I feel like this is one of those teams, guys, where in terms of European performance, uh, or if you're a team in a European uh, cup right now, this is a guy you're looking at. But $100 million in January, Matt, I... If they are actually considering that price tag, I think that's out of the market. Yeah, I think nobody's going to be able to form. And sorry for those noises you guys heard. My dog is crying, and I had to cuddle him. So that was me getting up to pick him up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think they're basically pricing him out. So it's only a team like a Chelsea, a Man City, which won't want yeah. him. Um, Liverpool probably can't afford him. Arsenal are out of that equation. I mean, Newcastle, if they're play, really playing by the rules of financial fair play, 
can't afford him. The, it's 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 pretty much impossible we see Tony leave in January unless a team actually values him that highly. Because personally, I don't see him more than a sixty million dollar striker. No. Just like I think you and me had this conversation about Kai Havertz. Mm-hmm. I priced him at a 40, 50, 45 to fifty million pound player. Yeah. Um, I think Arsenal overpaid for him. And just like uh, Declan Rice, I priced him at ninety five to one hundred million. One hundred fifteen, they overpaid. I don't think I think he's a forty to fifty million pound player. But that's just the for Ivan Tony. That's just what football is nowadays yeah. in the transfer market. Players are just inflated with their mm-hmm. price tags. Where thanks a lot, Anthony. The only one that's going to help us to to bring the market back down is if we see Mbappe ever make his four hundred million pound move or whatever it is, just to completely reset the market. But that's a conversation for a different time, guys. But credit to Brent, uh, Brentford, West Ham. Uh, oh, one more thing I wanted to cover. Never yeah. uh, was just done dirty, did himself dirty in this game. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, jumping to the next one here, guys. Burnley at home defeat to Crystal Palace, 2 0. Matt, you're kind of a fan of both teams here. I know you want to see Vincent Company's side say up, but your Palace is one of your second teams as well. What was your reaction? To this I game? was straight up Palace in this one. I was rooting for Roy. Um, in the uh, rankings of my loyalties, it's it was no contest. I wanted Roy to win. Roy was Hutchins, Crystal Palace went out there and won 2 0. I thought it was a good game. Um, unfortunately, Burnley was maybe one of the biggest losers this weekend. Yeah. Um, with Luton picking up that, you know, at the time it wasn't as bad, but now Luton's got a point. Sheffield's got three points. Everton got a point. Everton got a point. Forrest got three point. points. Three yeah. points. We'll jump into the next those games, guys, but I, I completely agree with you. And... Again, Brentford, Burnley looked like a team that played well. Like, they had windows and pockets where they could have scored, but they just don't have that quality or the clinical uh, end product to finish. No, I mean, honestly, if you had to rank, if we, did, we ended up doing a section where it's the biggest losers of the weekend, I think Burnley would be my pick. Yeah, uh, Crystal Palace proved what they were, a good, true, Premier League middle-table team, and they went and they got their, their two goals and their, won their game. Last week I said I picked Crystal Palace in a win for experience versus the youth of Burnley. And I picked Burnley to win Nick a one, fluky 1-0 one goal. But the reason I had that is because of the way Hodgson has his team set up. These stats will tell you everything. Burnley had 17 shots, 5 on target. Palace had 4 with 3 on target. And the possession was 67% to Burnley. So all the stats are saying, man, Burnley dominated this game, but they played into into Crystal Palace's hands because they were waiting for Burnley to make a mistake so they could jump on the counter and score some goals. Uh, Who's up next? Credits to Crystal Palace on that one there. Uh, Next one here, guys. Everton draw at home to Brighton, 1-1. Matt. I'm very, I'm very, I'm starting to get frustrated with this Brighton team, man. I've looked at, I went ahead uh, yesterday. I was watching the game. I had, uh, I looked, I looked to see where Pascal Gross was lined up in each of the last three games or four games. Right back, midfield, Cam, left back. What the hell, man? Why does he keep rotating this team? Play your best team. What was your reaction to the game, man? Uh, in the great uh, American sports that, like commentators, I was like, "Are these guys imposters?" <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I, I think like so. There's a gentleman I really like his football insights. His name is Clive Palmer, yep. and um, Clive was saying how he thought that Brighton was going to get figured out this year. I think they are, and they need to reset um, how they do things. He's rotating too much. Wait, rotating? It's, it's, it's just like yeah. you know the Tinker Man. Um, and our, our, our Teta was accused a couple seasons ago of rotating too much. 
there it's his first time playing European football, if I understand it correct. Yep. yep. Well, they, technically, uh, Deserby was a uh, Europa League manager, right? He was in the Champions League with Shakhtar in Ukraine. Gotcha. So he does have experience, but it's totally different when yeah. you're a team from you know one of these lower divisions, yeah. not lower division, lower leagues, mm-hmm. who you don't have the quality with. Here, I don't see the point in rotating your team when it's costing you guys results. At that point, you need to focus on the league again. And yeah, because they, they had Wednesday and Thursday off, mm-hmm. or Thursday off because there was no Europa League this weekend. Exactly. This so week. So I don't understand with a heavy rotation. You had a whole week to game plan for Everton and how to break down Deitch's uh, uh, formation, yet they honestly got bailed out because of an Ashley Young own goal in the 84, uh, 85th minute. Like, man, I... I I'm, it's going to be hard to pick Brighton here and with any results here. I mean, I don't know who they play next week. We'll jump into that in the next segment. But, man, I'm getting worried for them. Uh, Everton, you know, another not a pretty game for them, but that's the way they play. Uh, just a fantastic game from them in terms, if you're from Deitch's point of view. What was your thoughts for Everton? Deitch got what he needed. Yeah. And this weekend, if they had lost to Brighton, they would have probably been the second biggest loser. Yeah. Um, because they played a higher echelon team than the uh, Crystal Palace one, but um, yeah, I I think that Brighton's been figured out, like Clive said they would be, yeah. and they're being stretched a little too thin. We'll just see how it goes. Maybe Brighton will may not have a Europe next year. I hope they do, because I want them to build that pedigree, because I love to have them included in the Big 8 instead of a Big 7. Mm-hmm. Jumping into from some of the biggest losers this weekend into probably one of the biggest winners of the weekend... Man- Are we in the Sheffield game? No, oh. no. Manchester City <laughs> at home, 6-1 to Bournemouth. Uh, this was the Jeremy Doku show, man. Uh, I watched this game. It was just, it was like watching a puppy get kicked. It's like that Sim- Simpsons meme you talked mm. about. In stop, first. stop. He's already dead. <laughs> Jeremy Doku, man. Uh, I saw a YouTube video a couple weeks ago, and it said he only had one move. You idiots. You absolute idiots. This guy is insane. Uh, he, he had a play where he dribbled down the right wing, and he's usually a left winger. Hit him with a two two hezzy move on him, basically, in basketball terms, and then sends a perfect layoff for Bernardo with a left-footed finish. I mean, this was just a Jeremy Doku show. Short guys are back. Yeah. Doku and uh, Silva ran this game, and it was pretty amazing because something that I caught, I assumed with a 6-1 to scoreline, the Howland would score. Holland didn't score. A lot of uh, fantasy Premier League managers are probably very disappointed uh, because this is one of those games where you captain or triple captain yeah. Erling Holland and uh, yeah missed on the score sheet, but definitely not a miss in the game. This is a huge uh, Manchester City win for Bournemouth. I don't think you really, you know, this is one of those you just dust off and move on. You know, you're you're gonna have yeah. results like, like this against these bigger. I teams. don't have any real notes on. It was more just the the scoring and the beautiful play of Manchester City. I don't really have anything on Bournemouth. Yeah. Because they didn't play well defensively, and their goal was kind of like it was just, just a luck, lucky yeah. goal. Um, into the next game here with another one of the biggest winners that Matt alluded to a little bit earlier. Sheffield United, 2-1 win at home to Wolves. To a comeback, down 1-0. This this is one of those, uh, especially if you were at the game and you're a Sheffield fan, it was probably scenes. Um, love the goals in this one, too. Uh, uh, there was a guy... Um, the counterattack, the second goal, Cameron Archer, was that mm-hmm. his name? Dude, what a freaking rip, man. Off the bar. I feel like when when, when shots come off the oh, bar. Oh, the deflected one where he, yeah. Yeah, what a goal, man. Um, in terms of Wolves, uh, I think this is the type of Wolves team we're going to see in terms of quality in the final third with Neto being uh, out. 
but I thought they had windows. I thought they played well. Um, you know, they didn't play well the final thirty minutes. I'd say uh, when Sheffield kind of, you know, did their magic. It seems. But Matt, what was your reaction to the game? I was elated that they got a win. They were down there too long without a win. Because um, like I've had the opportunity to see some Sheffield. I watched them uh, last season when they were in the championship. I got to see them on the the American show. Uh, this is Wrexham. Yep. Got to see them play. Um, they sh- should be not this low. Um, the, in terms of what we've seen from them previously, but we we both know there's a huge jump from from yeah, the divisions, and, and they the, were not properly backed in the summer. It seems. Yeah, and also we don't I don't know off the top of my head how many loans they had last year to make them that good. Like Burnley was pretty heavily steroided up with players yeah. um, from Premier League teams. Win did not help uh, Sheffield too much. They're still bottom of the table, but this was a big result for them if they want to get some results going yeah. forward. But so. they got it to get something to if they want to stay up, and they got it because yeah. like Luton and Everton are starting to pull away. Um, so we'll see. But um, yeah. yeah, good good result for them. I was happy they got their win. Um, for real bad for Wolves fans because they were starting to get cooking there. But yeah. Um, was there any injury update on the Neto? Did he, he play? Be, he's going to be out at least until December okay. or further. So, um, yeah, we hope for a speedy recovery because it's a team without uh, a team without Neto is a totally different team. Mm-hmm. It seems. Um, jumping into the last game here of our segment, uh, Sunday uh, earlier today, Nottingham Forest huge upset win two nil to Villa. Um, I want to start this off by saying this, and we kind of talked about it before the pod started. Um, it feel like we feel like Villa kind of got that top six treatment. Uh, what I was saying last week when I was making my Chelsea Spurs prediction, I said Chelsea can't play against the low block. Villa, we haven't seen them play against the low block this season. Forest, we're the first team it feels like that we're actually willing to do so. And man, that just goes to show how tough it is to break down the team. Villa fell into the trap that Forest set for them. Yep. And the thing that shocked me was um, I got up to walk Paco and I came back and I saw the goalie block or miss the first shot. And I was like, oh, poor Matt Turner. It wasn't Matt Turner. They benched the dog. That's crazy. And um, honestly, Emmy Martinez got what he deserved. You know, he got his Yashin trophy last week. I'm going to... I'm going to vent a little bit later in the segment about this Ballon d'Or crap. But um, the Yashin uh, kind of got what he would deserve from his, his trash-talking schemes. But he had he had a big error for that second goal for Forrest. Um, I think the XG explains the game, uh, personally. This is like a proper low-block win. Uh, 0.59 for the XG for Forrest, 1.33 for Villa. Uh, so everything leans towards Villa winning this game. But when you watch this game, you could tell Forrest deserved this win without yeah, play. I missed the. F- I came in after at the first goal because I had to take the dog for a walk. Uh, which is I'm about to do now once we take a break here. But, yeah, um, Forrest set their trap, and Villa walked right into it. Yeah. Big result for it Forrest. Was a massacre. Yeah. <laughs> big, big result for Forrest in terms of avoiding relegation. Uh, they're now well into 12th place, so def- definitely in a comfortable spot. Before we wrap up, wrap up this segment, guys, again, disclaimer, uh, we're going to come out with a special pod here uh, for the Monday game of uh, Spurs versus Chelsea. But we will go over that uh, yeah. recap next week. Our goal is to get it up by no later than the end of Tuesday. We just don't know what our work schedules are going to be because yeah. we're subject to the time changes in California coming up. Oh um, and both of us are going to be shifting how we live here um, for Monday uh, to accommodate the great state of California. So we'll see um, if we can get it up Monday. That's my goal. Um, if not, we'll get it up uh, sometime on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump into the next segment here, guys. Take a quick break. We'll be right back with you.
All right, we are back with the second half, and we're going to be covering next week's games. Uh, first, uh, Reese, how do you feel about the Spurs at Wolves on Saturday to kick off the weekend? I feel like that's going to be a very underrated game. Uh, I will let you know right now, guys, I will not be up for this game because it's at 5.30 in the morning. But uh, I'm very excited to see uh, what type of Spurs team we get off the back of a Chelsea game that uh, we will also have our reactions to. Um, to give you my prediction, I'm going to go with a... Regardless of the Chelsea performance, I think Spurs win this game, and it's going to be 2-0. Oh, I got a 1-1, but oh. I predicted this before I saw the Sheffield game. Well, I don't even think that's an unfair result because this Wolves team is so defensively sound when they play. Uh, we didn't see that from this uh, Sheffield performance uh, when they played Sheffield, but this is a team, man, that it, they give teams a tough time when they play. What's the next game? Luton at Manchester United. So, uh, I think we both know the results of this game, but we both know the quality in how these teams are going to play. Manchester United, in my opinion, will win this game, but much like uh, I agree uh, with with the masses here, uh, it's not going to be a pretty win for Manchester United. Uh, I'm going to have it as a 2-1 win. 2-1, both Manchester United goals coming after the 75th minute. (laughs) Exactly. It's going to be a screamer from Bruno or McTominay, and they're going yep. to be running the corner fly like they just won the freaking Champions League. I'm tired of it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, uh, next, we have Burnley at Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is only going to be a pretty one-sided performance, uh, especially off the back of a loss. Uh, I think Arsenal now have suffered two defeats in a row uh, from the Carabao Cup now, so... Uh, Arteta's going to be fucking pissed, and I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a 3-0 dominant win for Arsenal. We'll have to see who comes back, if any of the injuries come back, but I'm still predicting a 3-1, yes. barring that. Um, I think we're going to let Burnley get a goal. I feel like you guys can uh, bench Declan Rice and put El Elneny out there. I just feel like there's no shot for this Burnley team against you <laughs> Okay, what's your scoreline, though? Don't jinx them. <laughs> I agree with you. It's a 3-0 it's a to Arsenal. So next That's team. a 3-1, but oh, all right. Gotcha, gotcha. Everton at Crystal Palace. Two uh, good I'm, results for them this weekend. I'm eager to see uh, Crystal Palace because they've played defensively uh, on a low block the last two games against Spurs, and, and then they played defen- uh, on the low block against Burnley. I feel like one of these two teams has to come out of their low block shell and play front-footed. I think it will be Crystal Palace because we know what we're going to get from Deitch and Everton. What do you think this performance? Uh, this well, we saw was? Everton play a game a few weeks ago where they had to play a team that was in the low block, and then yeah. and they ended up winning it. Yeah. Um, but I honestly think it's going to be another one-one. I'm wow. I'm a little draw happy this weekend. I think that each team is going to get one, and then they're not going to know what to do. I think it'll be a Deitch party on Saturday, guys. I think it's going to be a one-nil and a very uh, snooze fest game mm. to Everton. Play right into their hands. That was my other... I, I kind of went for the draw-draw because I think yeah. that they'll have a little bit of magic because Chris Paul is a good team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's my bias showing too. <laughs> What's the next game, man? Newcastle, United at Bournemouth. Bournemouth, uh, we love you guys. Uh, I love the manager, um, but much that the, like the City game, uh, I feel like this will be pretty one-sided. Uh, I'm going to give come out right with my prediction. I think it's going to be 2-0, 2-0 to Newcastle. I think a lot of good teams go down and have a good time at the Brighton at the Seacoast. Yeah. Uh, Bournemouth, sorry, Bournemouth at the, at the coast. Um, I predict 3-0 yeah. to Newcastle. Really not much to say on this one because Newcastle are in some of the best form in the Premier League versus Bournemouth, who... 
Again, we see great patterns from them. We see the potential, but they just don't have the quality yet. So that covers our Saturday split. Um, next up, we have Sunday. Uh, the first game is uh, Fulham at Villa. Yeah, again, uh, Fulham played well against Manchester United, but who doesn't uh, nowadays? Um, <laughs> again, I feel like Villa, they're, they're on a 12-game win streak at home. Uh, I think this is going to be thir- number 13, and I think it's going to be a thrashing after the result that they went versus Forrest. I'm going to go 4 nil to Villa. 4-1 for me. Perfect. What's the next game, Matt? Uh, it's Sheffield at Brighton. Uh, see, I, before this segment started, guys, I didn't know who Brighton were going to be playing. And in the last segment, you guys can tell that I'm getting pretty pissed at this Brighton team. But I feel like I have to pick them one more time. I said last week I'd give them one more chance, but now that I see that who they're playing, although Sheffield got a big result against Wolves. Um, well, also, there are Europa League and Champions League games this weekend. They do have to play mid-ta- uh, midweek, and Sheffield don't. I predicted this one before the Sheffield win, and I'd still going to stick by my 2-1 to the goals, to the Seagulls of Brighton. Yeah. Uh, I- I think that's a fair result. Uh, I'm going to give them one more opportunity. Because it is at the Amex on the South Coast. Yeah. If they don't rotate the squad with 11 players uh, from from the middle week and they have some players from the champion or the Europa League week, then I think this should be a Brighton win, and I think it'll be 2 0 to the Seagulls. Okay. Up next, we have Nottingham Forest traveling to London to play West Ham at the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, West Ham has not been good. Uh, as we said in the last segment, they've kind of crashed down uh, back to earth uh, from the form they started out with um, when the season first started. Uh, I feel like this will be a very close contested game, uh, but I feel like this should only be a result to the Hammers here and a 1-0 win. I, th- I predicted this before the game this, this morning. Mm-hmm. I predicted 1-0 to Forrest. I thought Forrest had a win in him in one of these games. I think that's a fair result, man, especially after the performance they had against Villa. And maybe Matt Turner isn't as good as we thought. I mean, that dog in him, maybe it was all bark, no bite. Hey, at least you guys cashed out. Mm. You know, you got some mm. money for him. <laughs> all right. Up next, we're down to the last two games of next week. We have Brentford at Liverpool. I feel like this is going to be one of those underrated games of the week, Matt. Um, Liverpool scraped away with a point against Luton. I feel like we may see a similar result here because Brentford are in such flying form right now where... They're going to be playing a low block, which Liverpool are good at breaking down, mm-hmm. but they were not good against breaking down the low block in the final 10 minutes against Lute, or in the final 30 minutes against Luton, um, which caused that counter for them to score. Go ahead. So I think I'm psychic. I predict a 3 2 2 pool with a stoppage time winner by Luis Diaz. Luis, Luis Diaz. Diaz again on the back to back. Yeah. Because um, I didn't think he would play today. I yeah. thought he would play next week and he'd come back and so, do something. I think I'm going to give Liverpool the win. Uh, but I don't think it will be a pretty win. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 result. for. I'm thinking of a scrappy win myself. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, man. Our last game uh, is Manchester City at the bridge coming down from Manchester to London. Mother fooger, man. And you have to predict, we had to predict this one of not knowing how Chelsea's <laughs> going to do in their game this weekend. Um, Guys, or this on Monday. The thing with being a Chelsea fan is you know we're going to play well against a Spurs or a City you just don't know which Chelsea team is going to come out and play against the relegation sides of Sheffield and, and fucking Brentford. <laughs> um, I feel like it'll be another close contested match because the Man City are not going to play a low block. But with that being said, unfortunately, again, I have to go against my own team here for non-biased purposes. Uh, I think it will be a 2-0 win to Manchester City, unfortunately. Ooh, I think um, your constant trying to get me to be a Chelsea fan has colored me, uh, even though I'm not a Chelsea <laughs> fan. I predict 3-2 to Man City. 
So I'd like to ask you this question. Where do you see our goals coming from? Some scrappy goals? Because I feel like that's all we've been scoring yeah, recently. I think they're going to be two fluky goals. It's okay. going to be pretty similar to the Arsenal game. Okay. Um, I'm predicting a Mudrick, uh, some sort of like chass. <laughs> <laughs> a cross into a goal. I gotcha. Um, that'll wrap up this segment, guys. Uh, again, we will recap, have a special pot out for the Monday game. Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump into our next segment here. We're going to go into Savage Time right away. I'm ready Let's for it. Let's do it. All right, I know you have a question for me. Well. Or do you want me to set you up for your rant? No, we'll end the pod with the rant. I'll start it off in this, and it's a little bit different. I want you to name the top three most influential. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, so Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard. But top three most influential players to the Premier League as a whole. Period from 1993 till now. Exactly. Um, off the top of my head, I have to go with Wayne Rooney. Yep. Um, Didier Drogba mm-hmm. and Thierry Henry. That would be my three. Okay. In no in no order. Yeah. I, I I was saving Thierry for last, but that because he's my favorite yeah. player. And we're not talking like Premier League goats here, guys. Uh, I think I feel like I would agree with you. Only thing I would take out is because they're all different levels. Yeah. I would only take out Drogba, uh, and then instead of Drogba, I would put in uh, Cristiano. Uh, I just feel mm-hmm. like from his stretch at Manchester United, uh, when he won the Ballon d'Or 15 years ago, uh, I feel like that really thrusted the Premier League into uh, a new level uh, than what we've seen. Here's my case for Drogba. Uh, historically, Chelsea have not been good. Yep. Chelsea became really good and I think it was 03. Yep. And Drogba was at the heart of you guys being that influential for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's been the, the decade of Chelsea. Yep. I'm sorry, the century of Chelsea so far, not decade. Yeah, and pretty. I think I had to pick a Chelsea player because Rooney and Thierry and we are from the originating or the Premier League. And then in the new era, um, just the most consistent guy from that Chelsea-Manchester City era, to me, it was either Aguero or Drogba. Very and if funny. I had a fourth pick, it would go to Aguero. And my, but I thought that Chelsea have had, it pains me to say, it's a hell of a century so far. And I had to pick a Chelsea player in that. Yeah, I guess when you look in terms of, you know, Success uh, over the last twenty three years. God, I can't believe I said uh, <laughs> Chelsea has been probably the best team over the last twenty three years. Um, City is now reaching that point mm-hmm. where they're pretty much the most yeah. dominant team we've seen. Uh, I completely agree with you. An honorable honorable mention for for Aguero yeah. especially because if you said top five, I would have thrown Aguero in there and I would have given my personal favorite Premier League player um, as the last pick because he's not. The best Premier League player. Yeah. It's Santi Cazola. He's my favorite player from the last 23 years. I gotcha. I just I, love watching him play. I'm glad I got to see him play um, under Wenger. Yeah. It, I feel like Aguero is like just one of those, like, if you look at the most important moment in, in Premier League history, it's Peter Drury saying, Aguero! And, and I feel like with a moment as special as that, that might have just hit my head and possibly yeah. throwing Aguero into that top three conversation. Well. Yeah, my with that question off the top of my head, um, I had to give it to a Manchester uh, United player. I'm giving it to Rooney, and because that guy's just a pit bull. Yeah. And then I had to give an Arsenal player because those guys were at the heart of bringing the Premier League to where it is. Mm-hmm. And then, but Chelsea was also in that mix too. And I had to give it to him. City, if you give me a fourth pick, I would have given it to one of their players because they're more of a modern um, modern team. They they don't get me wrong. They've been great since yeah. 2010. Matt, 
go ahead and, and toss me the alley with your question. All right, so we have the first ever MLS player winning in a Ballon d'Or. A Ballon d'Or one, a player in MLS has won it before a player has gone to a player in the Premier League. I'm gonna try my best here in not the last to curse. <laughs> I'm gonna try my best here not to curse, guys. What the fuck, man? What the <laughs> fuck? Last long. I let me just start off by saying this, guys. Uh, Messi is the greatest player, one of our generation, and two of all time. Uh, he is a embodiment of uh, the beautiful part of the game. But when, oh my gosh, when did football become about popularity over pure facts, my friend? In terms of what we're looking at with what Erling Holling did, there's no. There's no conversation that should be held as to who the true Ballon d'Or winner is. Messi had a great World Cup, six of those being penalties. Messi had a decent season for PSG, won the League One, but you expect that from a team that has a billion dollars more than the team below them. And he didn't even play that well for PSG. Can I just dive? Can I? Can I? Yeah, can I continue to cook up here? Yeah, okay. Cook. Okay. I might throw you a curveball later, in my opinion of it, but like cook. Yeah, thank you, sir. So, yeah. after they handed Messi the little jacket and he lifted up the freaking thing, calling himself the GOAT for, for the World Cup, I am cool with that, right? Erling Holland, at 22 years old, went to the most, probably the biggest team in Europe right now in Manchester City over the summer. Scored 52 goals across all competitions. 52. Okay, I'm just starting there. Messi won the, the World Cup, the League One Championship. I, I think those were his only two mm-hmm. trophies that year. Holland, on the best team in the world, won the FA Cup, the Premier League, and the Champions League. The Champions League, guys. The Champions League. I He was not only the Premier League top scorer at 22 years old, he scored like 38 goals, Matt. He scored the Premier League record of goals you could score in a season at 22 years old. He was not only the Premier League top scorer, he was the Champions League top scorer. He was the UEFA Men's Player of the Year for the Champions League. He was the Premier League Player of the Season. Now, Ballon d'Or. Let me ask you a question before we get this. What are your the top three players for the Ballon d'Or? Like, if you had to narrow it down. We okay. obviously don't, would Messi make your top three? Third, I would put Messi because of the World Cup. You know, it is the biggest competition that football has to offer, I would say, in terms for world recognition. Okay. Who would be your other one in there with Holland? My guy. It has to be. No, never mind. Never mind. I won't say it. I was going to say, you know, some some lackadaisical answer of of um, even throwing Ronaldo in there. But there's just no – there. you can't. It, it has to be – go ahead. So my top three, and I th- you think Holland should have won it, the, the – Voters thought Messi should win. I thought he should have gone to Kevin De Bruyne. I thought he had one of the best seasons last year. So I think if you're taking out because international football wasn't great for Holland or De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. To me, De Bruyne is 32 years old. He had one of his best seasons last year, probably his best season ever combined with Holland. That's how they got the triple, yeah. the treble. Um, I don't know if De Bruyne is going to have another season like that in him. And to me, it was a waste because Holland, you said, is 22. I thought it should have gone to De Bruyne. I thought he should have been honored for that because he cooked he was, for Holland, and Holland was recipient of one of him being had his arguably I don't know if statistically to me the eye test it was his best season. 
he was the best. De Bruyne was the best player on the best team in the world. Yeah, that alone should thrust you into that top three conversation. I completely agree with you. Um, I couldn't because I was more upset that Holland was in third. Yeah, I thought that Hall. Or no, sorry, De Bruyne was in third. third yeah. To me, he was a better player than Messi. They play close to a similar position. Yeah. And to the people that, to the dude, to the, to the guys out there that say. Well, it just wasn't uh, his pretty goals that Messi has scored. You know, Holland was a bunch of tap-ins. Motherfucker. We are looking at a guy that just scored 38 goals in the Premier League. When did football become about popularity over facts? I've said it again. Now, I let this slide. Okay, um, can I continue to code? Yeah, continue. Hey, Thank we're going to put the explicit tag. I'm going to start dropping that ball since we got it. <laughs> in in 2006, they robbed my boy Gigi Buffon of a, of, a, of, a, of a Ballon d'Or nomination. He won Italy the World Cup. He was on the best Italian team in world football, okay? They robbed him. I let it slide because I was five years old at the time. I was fucking five years old, all right? Fucking five! <laughs> You jump to 2020. You know, I won't even count 2018 when Modric, you know, won the Ballon d'Or. We could talk about him winning, you know, going to the finals for the World Cup. But it was Ronaldo that should have won it. But I'm going to let that one slide. You jump to 2020. You cancel the Ballon d'Or rewards because of COVID. Yet everybody else was playing football and Robert Lewandowski was the best player on the planet at the time. He won the Champions League with Bayern. I let it slide, though, you know, because I know in 2021... Robert's going to have his opportunity again. It's his time. You know what they you know what they did? No, we'll give it to Lionel Messi. We'll, we'll give it to Messi because all he won was the La Liga title, even though freaking Robert Lewandowski scored like 40 goals, had the most goals across Europe in 2021. No, we'll give it to Messi since he's the most popular dude on the planet. So I'm a systems guy and I'm a problem solver. That's where I go. How would you fix this, Ballon d'Or? Because I think you should break it up into league play, international play, and goalkeeper. Well, it seems like they rob the they they make the decision to offer Ballon d'Or to World Cup. Whenever the World Cup comes around, it creates this massive confusion on who the best player in the world is. It seems for these guys that are these idiots, sorry, that are voting for the freaking best player on the planet. What I would do is, like you said, break it up into categories in terms of success with your club, mm-hmm. how you did personally, and if the World Cup is there, how their World Cup performance was. Holland did not get his opportunity to play in the World Cup because it's literally just him and Odegaard and a bunch of Norwegian brutes over there freaking mowing boats or riding their boats. Sorry, I'm, I'm not even trying to... to... Guys, I'm heated, okay? All, I, all I'm saying is is they completely ruined the Ballon d'Or trophy for me. I do not care until there is some sort of revamp to this Ballon d'Or nomination process. I'm completely out on the Ballon d'Or. I don't care about it anymore. It should not count for any sort of legacy success. Like I said, Messi is the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. But he is now basically frauded about two or three Ballon d'Ors now. Was this his, um, like, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio at the Oscars, where they decided to give to him, even though he's had it a lot? Even though DiCaprio deserved that, that Oscar for, for The Departed. For previous movies. Yes. But, yeah. He, uh, I completely agree with you. It's it's yeah, it's it, absurd. It, it kind of it's like when Lord of the Rings three won, even though it was the weakest of the movies. Uh, sorry for talking entertainment, but I feel like it, the Oscars is the closest award you can create to the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, no, for sure. And I look at this Ballon d'Or nomination. I was like, man, they actually gave it to somebody who deserved it in Kareem Benzema last season. You know, a guy that was probably the best player on the on on the planet at the time. Uh, along with Luka Modric last season, I think also was a candidate to deserve it. But this is now 
in my opinion, the last straw. I've given him three strikes, possibly four, with with including 2005 and 2006, where I've lost respect for it. Um, until this game is going back to facts over popularity, I'm completely out on it. Fair enough. Matt, I want to end with this. I am not mad about that De Bruyne pick, by the way. Uh, I feel like that is very fair. It should have been Messi in third and then one of these City yeah. players in the top two. Because they won the treble. And it, I'm honest with you. To me, when you saw Kevin De Bruyne go down in that Champions League, they barely won that game. Yeah. Um, and we've seen with Holland lately, if he doesn't have Rodri and he doesn't have De Bruyne, he's not as effective. Mm-hmm. He had to get those, when they, the two games they were out, he needed to get a, go grab the ball and get a penalty to be on the score sheet last week. Okay. Honestly, I think that Holland is a luxury player who's really benefiting from service and when the service isn't there I think you need to it's like hugging the Amazon guy the delivery man for bringing you your package or the UPS guy but not realize not giving the review to the people who got the great product in the box and to you safely basically what Matt is saying guys is Erling Holland is probably I think we can agree, the best poacher in mm-hmm. the world right now. No, he's a great player. But just like all strikers who are poachers in particular, they need service. And I think that's why De Bruyne should have been a considerate for that nominee because he was the main factor. Him being the third place afterthought and nobody really mentioning it, uh, I was just like, what? It should have been between Holland and De Bruyne for me because yeah. the Champions League final, they lost their threat after he went out. Yeah. And that, to me, showed that he was the engine cooking in that thing. When they came back to beat Arsenal for the title, De Bruyne was the guy getting them to the line, and Holland was just like a kicking the ball over the line. Exactly. But he was the best at it, though. No yeah, one no, no, I won't dispute that. I just thought it should be a two-horse race between Holland and De Bruyne, and I thought Messi was an afterthought. But it's the Messi retirement party, and we're just all stuck here dealing with it. This may be an annual conversation, guys. We'll see next year who, who these frauds decide to, to post up as their Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah, but, but, like, Messi, who's like they're not going to nominate him because he's an MLS now. Why not? I mean, they just did it for freaking uh, for, for publicity. It's seems like this season even though they won the world cup just because you win you score a penalty against uganda in the in the group stage that doesn't mean you're having a better season than a <laughs> don't, don't smile at me sorry <laughs> shout out to uganda sorry guys but just because you score a goal against it's <laughs> a respect on uganda's name <laughs> so we're getting the explicit tag i apologize so i'm gonna i'm gonna drop my f balls because we got we, hey. we we're gonna do i do i do usually do it because we do drop an s word every now and then uh to protect kids from that word but since we're going hardcore to it apparently in this segment i'm just gonna enjoy it so back back to my point you know scoring against there's just much more quality in the premier league and the champions league than there is in the world cup period yeah. and i think that should be considered um into that factor but matt Close us out before I punch this microphone. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us this week. Um, if you give us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate it. Or if you have any friends who like football, hand it over to them. But um, it's a goodbye from Matt. and Goodbye from Reese. Thank you for listening, guys. And we'll see you tomorrow or on Tuesday.